Hi, I'm Tracy, an impassioned lady on a quest to slay working motherhood and find fulfillment. I'm here to help you navigate the beautiful and damned in the life of a working mom. I'm a PA, mom, wife, and lover of fashion who is guiding my fellow working moms to ditch the dread and find fulfillment in the wonder and the war zone that is modern motherhood. I teach you the clinical pearls you need to create a life you love, pearls you can apply today to change your life tomorrow. Skirt around those heavy real life topics? No way. Here you'll get an unfiltered ringside seat. You'll hear about the good, the bad, and the ugly. Parenting, step-parenting, marriage, motherhood, faith, and finances are all topics we will sit down and unpack together. Think of this as your one-stop shop for all the motivation and encouragement you need to help navigate working motherhood. Each week, it's like a mom's night out had a baby with a TED Talk. Then the mom's night out went back to work. Pull up a seat, get settled, and get ready to be inspired and encouraged. This is Fulfilled, the podcast. Today on Fulfilled, we have a special guest, Julie Spencer. Julie is a doctor of physical therapy, the co-founder of Restoration Space, a local-to-me integrated medicine practice in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. She is a wife and mom to four rambunctious boys and is my personal pelvic floor physical therapist. Passionate about pelvic floor rehab and women's health, Julie felt there was more, a better way to be treating patients in a whole and integrated way. And so she struck out on her own with her partner, Megan Evazade, and they started a practice to do just that. Day to day, you can find Julie running a business and a household, taking care of expectant and postpartum moms and helping them rehab their pelvic floor and showing up as her authentic and glowing self on social (laughs) media. Julie, in fact, became a doctor of physical therapy and a mom within one two-month period where she was on bed rest with her now 12-year-old twins. In her free time, Julie loves the sun, the sand, and can be found escaping to the beach in the summer every chance she gets. Julie, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This is fun already. <laughs> I'm like, everyone should have someone write like a glowing introduction about them. I know. And, like, you like, I that should be your like alarm. That. Yes. Like, like, <laughs> like, hello. Like, let me brag about you yeah. for a moment. And I walk in here every Say day. wonderful things mm-hmm. that make you feel confident. So... That was my introduction. Could you offer a little introduction to our listeners if they have not met you in person or online? Tell them a little bit about yourself. Sure. I don't know if I could do it yes. as well as I am <laughs> um, Julie and I am thrilled to be here. And I love talking about all things women's health related, I think, which is really funny because I um, have four boys. So Mm -hmm. it's, I I don't know if it's just the space I get to finally talk girl stuff about, or, you know, the fact that I just, it's always been ingrained in me. I'm one of two girls. I grew up on Long Island. Um, My parents were super like female empowerment to make sure that you can live your life on your own without, you know, a man, even if you choose to get married one day, you know, that kind of thing. We went to all girls um, Catholic schools up through high school. So I feel like we just had this super girl power thing ingrained in us. And so, um, I don't know if that's what set my career off where it was. I never in a million years as a high school graduate going into college, even for PT ever thought I'd be doing what I was doing now. It just kind of unfolded on its own, but I think it all has to do with that background of, um, just being super proud to be a female and, um, really empowered, by that. That's yeah. awesome. Did you know that 
women's health or pelvic floor was a specialty of physical therapy when you became a physical therapist? Um, very little. So mm-hmm. when I was graduating with my master's in PT, so I went to University of Scranton and it was a five-year master's program at the time. So you started as a freshman and came out five years with your master's as long as you you know, kept all your grades up and did all the right, did, did the right <laughs> things most of the time. Um, and so when we had to do our, uh, like poster presentations and thesis basically for our masters, there was one group that did do their project on, uh, urinary incontinence, but it was in a nursing home. And I remember, so I was very sports oriented at the time. I was an athlete my whole life. Our, my group's poster presentation and thesis was on, uh, collegiate volleyball players so not girls, incontinent yeah, only. Not a, no, not at all. Yes. Not incontinent only. <laughs> it was about female volleyball players and it was about um, preventing injury to their knees, especially in jumping sports, which by the way, now I realize has a lot to do with your pelvic floor. Yes. At the time, that was not part yeah. of it. And sorry. And um, so I remember seeing this other post presentation be like, who in their right mind would be working with people that were peeing their pants? Like who? Who would want to do that? That's crazy. How is that even PT? So like if that only was you right. Know. If only if only. So that was my first like I guess view into that being even part of PT, which obviously stuck with me, right? Because now mm-hmm. here we are, like twenty crazy twenty years later. It's crazy. It's that long, and that still resonates with me. Like I don't remember what anybody else's project was on, right? I remember ours and the incontinence. Right. <laughs> so it's kind of funny, and I always laugh because I say my colleagues that I graduated with probably look at my social media and all that kind of stuff and see me doing this. And they're probably like, wow, what happened? And then when I was, I'm kind of fast forwarding, but when I was um, working, so I was an outpatient and very sports oriented for my first, like maybe five years of my career. And my husband and I wound up moving to Virginia beach from the Scranton area. Cause he was going for his master's down there. And I worked, I actually did home health care for an outpatient PT network down there. And I happened to be walking like in and out and I was trying to create newer programs for this, this network because they were trying to drive people from home care into their outpatient facilities. And I would walk in and I just happened to see like three pregnant women in this one office, this outpatient clinic. And I hadn't had kids yet. I was like maybe 25, 26 at the time. And I was like, is anybody looking at these women? Like, does anybody see what's happening to their backs and their hips and their shoulders, like their posture? And like, well, they're pregnant. I was like, if anybody looked like this, not pregnant, we would wonder what the heck was wrong with their body. Like this is, we would get them on a table and stretch them and strengthen them. Why are we not doing that with these women? They're like, well, they're just pregnant. You know, they're going to have the baby. They'll be fine. And I was like, this can't be fine. Like, is anybody for looking? 10 months, yes. right? For is 10 anybody months, looking yeah. at these people? Like, not their, they were gorgeous. You know, or there was words about them. But I was like, this can't be right. So I started looking into different programs. You can provide these people, maybe things on bed rest for them to make, you know, their, if, if they were on bed rest, you know, at home care wise, because that's what I was doing. Could we make that better for them? Could we make their recovery from birth better? You know, those kinds of things. So I was only there for a short time. I was only down there for a year. So those programs didn't get off the ground, but that's what led me into my first public floor training. Interesting. Yeah. That, so I will tell you also um, that the place I worked at did have a pelvic floor PT program. So they had women's health program. Again, I hadn't known that mm-hmm. when I was working there and they were super military oriented, very military based down there. Um, Cause we were right by like Norfolk area. And so people would get trained and then they would leave. And so they would train pelvic floor. They would run the program for a year or two. They would leave. They'd have to train somebody else. So somebody was leaving 
And um, another woman wanted to get trained and they said, well, we'll train you, but we have to train somebody else too. We keep doing this. People keep leaving. So she couldn't find anybody else. Nobody wanted to do it. So she said to me, you know, Julie, I know that you have this interest in these pregnant women. You're trying to do these programs. Would you want to do this with me? And I was like, no, <laughs> like this again, we're talking about, and you know, I'm thinking vaginas and incontinence. Mm -hmm. And I kind of had an idea where you'd have to go, you know, to where you had to work in the body. And I wasn't sure if I was ready and willing to do that. So she said, please, let's go. We're going to Miami. At that time, courses for pelvic floor are very few and far between. And you had to go around the country to, you know, hit them. There's more of them now, thankfully. But um, so fine. She convinced me because we were going to Miami. So, <laughs> so she's like, get a free trip. You never even have to treat it. And I said, fine. So we went down and the very first day, you know, we're sitting there where there's like maybe 30 women in this conference room. The doors are locked. Nobody wants to drink their coffee. Nobody <laughs> wants to do anything because we know that we're probably going to have to do something internal. Um, we're going to be talking about, you know, incontinence. Nobody wants to have to pee. You know, it was very awkward. And we sat down and there's a big picture of the anatomy of a pelvic floor. Yay, so there's a big picture right. of vagina, like right up there. And the women, we sit down and the two instructors start clapping. And little did I know at the time, it was two of the like gurus like they started pelvic floor in the states the woman that started it was from australia and they worked under her in like the 70s and the 80s and they kind of were the ones that really started this like we need to teach other movement yes this yes. movement of other pelvic floor pts and women's it became women's health and even men's health um, i had no idea who even they were at the time and i was lucky enough to have them teach me my very very first course and they were amazing and by the time i was done with that three days i knew that this completely changed my career. So pelvic floor physical therapy is part of a women's health subset of physical therapy. Right. So there's, it's, it's interesting because you can do women's health physical therapy without working on the pelvic floor. Sure. You can look at, you know, you can work on um, female athletes. You can work on women that are pregnant postpartum and never do anything with the pelvic floor muscles, which yes, we are talking about internal work. Yeah. Um, which is very much falls under the scope of PT because these, these are muscles and these are nerves and they attach to joints and bones. And, and also no one else is doing it. No, no, no other, like, like your OB is system. not doing right, it. Right. Like the PA mm -hmm. or the nurse practitioner in your OB's office right. is probably honestly not doing it. You're having a baby for me. Like right. this is where I have experienced actually two places for me. One personally, uh, while I was pregnant and also postpartum. And then also in my medical practice, I send patients who are pre or post prostatectomy mm -hmm, yes. or other pelvic floor mm -hmm. surgery that I do in my current role as a urology PA to get prehab or rehab. So they won't pee their pants, exactly. which no one wants to be. Right. And, and besides you, <laughs> which we're very grateful for, there are not many physicians and advanced practitioners that even realize still this is a thing. And I've been doing this now in the Valley since 2005 in the Lehigh Valley where we live. Um, and I've met most of the practitioners that would have any piece of the puzzle of the pelvic floor. So urologists, gynecologists, OBGYNs, uh, orthopedics that do the hip, you know, like yeah, I mean, sure. men's doctors, women's doctors, like everything. And there are still some doctors out there that I've met multiple times and I'll meet them a third or fourth time. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know this was a thing. Oh and God, I was like, I've been in your office. <laughs> We've had lunch together. You've sent me people. Like, so, you know, you've referred people to me. They've done great. Um, but what I've learned um, is that it's, I've learned not to get as frustrated as I used to be because I also learned that in, in their schooling, which is extensive, mm -hmm. um, it's not 
it's not focused on. They t- they know that there's muscles there, but they're focused on maybe how the organ systems work or, you know, of course, the uh, urology, how that reproductive system yeah. works. Um, when you're an OBGYN, your goal is to get a, a baby out healthy and safely for both mom and baby, um, or to look at the uterus and the cervix and, and the ovaries and all of those pieces of that puzzle. So there's so many other pieces that are integral in our body. And of course, and to make you live, right? A lot of it's about just thriving and living and surviving and finding disease. Mm -hmm. So like, that's, of course, what's their, you know, a lot of their main part of their job and it's super important. But then I think where we're missing the ballgame is the quality of life. So once the baby comes out, you know, or once you're in menopause, or if you did have surgery, you had prostatitis or prostate cancer or ovarian uterine cancer or what have you, and, you know, again, their job is super important to make sure we sure. treat those things. Remove the cancer, do the thing. Yeah. Right. But then, then, <laughs> thankfully, if their job is done and everybody, and everything's successful, these people still have to live with the repercussions of what sure. that surgery entails. Radiation, surgical removal, scar tissue, and that can lead to pain. It can lead to incontinence. Sure. It can lead to dyspareunia, which is painful intercourse or any insertion into the pelvic floor, constipation, bowel issues. It's... It can lead to a plethora of things that now is their quality of life, that now they have this full life ahead of them wonderfully, but they are suffering through it because of all these other things. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's the other thing. Pregnancy and postpartum to go back to that, I think is another big piece. I think we have a wonderful um, societal and cultural support of pregnant women now better than we did before. At least there's prenatal yoga and there's, you know, there's great maternity clothes. Like everything is wonderful. And we're, we're still, once we have the baby, really forgetting to take care of the mom. You know, we take care of the mom really well during pregnancy and we don't do a great job of taking care of the mom once she has the baby. Then it's all about this gorgeous little baby, which is important, but the mom is forgotten mm. in that moment. And then she has to take care of this gorgeous yeah. little baby. It's time for some spring cleaning for your finances. Take the five-day money makeover challenge. It's completely free. It's five days of quick, information-packed videos, teachings, and it even includes free downloads to help you reset your money mindset, get back on track with budgeting, touch base on your retirement savings, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes or go to tracy-bingaman.mykajabi.com slash five days to enroll. It is completely free. Have you seen these things that are like after ACL repair? It's like ACL repair on a healthy 21-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, the ACL gets repaired and then they're seen post-op. They see right. PT this many times and then they're released. And then it's like you have a baby, nothing happens. Yeah. You see your OB <laughs> at six weeks and then nothing happens. Right. It's like comparing, oh, this young, healthy 21-year-old right. who wants to get back to soccer right. versus this like 30-year-old mom who Who's just young and healthy wants to pee <laughs> and poop and just like pick up her human right. and get in and out of a car right. without pain. But we're not, we're not supporting that. We're not including right. this referral in the pathway that is perinatal, postpartum yeah. care. And I was I was a provider who thought she was pretty well versed right. in like I was doing general surgery at the time so I wasn't doing urology but I felt like I had a pretty decent right. handle on like 
life and this and that. And I had, a, I had a yeah. baby. So yeah, so I had, <laughs> you probably remember this. I had yeah. Colby and then I was like part of this mom's group and this one mom had a C-section and this is another thing we should probably talk about. Yeah. She had a C-section. She had a 10 pound baby who's still, still huge. And <laughs> I had a C-section and a seven pound baby yeah. or something. And I didn't have a vaginal delivery. And then she told me, oh, I'm going to see this pelvic floor physical therapist for like scar pain mm-hmm. and like to support like my diastasis and these things that happen to my pelvis during delivery. And I literally said, but you didn't even deliver vaginally. Right. Like, and, and I, I meant it like, honestly, like, right. should I go? Should right. I, I didn't even hurt like, my why pelvic floor. Pel- right. Like literally mm-hmm. I was like, my pelvic floor has never been better. Right. Right? Like right. it's like amazing. Just like it was before yes. it came out my abdomen. Yeah. And so I went to see you I don't, I can't remember who was after Colby was born or after Archer was born. I can't remember either. I think it was probably after Colby yeah. was born. And I was like, Hey, and I did yeah. this survey like coming in and it was like, are you having any of these problems? And I was like, no, no, yeah. no, no, no. And then I walk in and I'm like, a friend sent me literally. Yes. That's the yes, reason I that I'm here. That. A friend sent me and I felt like that's a good idea. I'm, yeah. I'm here to see if anything needs a tune up. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> But like, if you have been pregnant, if you have had a C-section, if you have had a vaginal delivery, if you've had both, if you are pregnant, yeah. if you have a pelvic floor, right. you should probably be seeing right. someone. And and so here's a tip. We all have a pelvic floor. Yeah. <laughs> so men, women, um, you could have had a baby as a female. You may not have had a baby as a female, still have one. Um, so And the pelvic floor is the muscle. Right. So it's like this sling of muscles that's literally the bottom of our like core or our trunk. And it goes from the front of the pelvic bone. So if you, you know, are at home listening and you can listen and you just feel like the bones in your hips and you kind of walk yourself to like the middle where they meet, that's your pubic symphysis. So they kind of meet there and then they sling all the way back to your tailbone and they go from your sit bone, literally the bones that you sit on the chair from sit bone to sit bone. So they're literally this like hammock or this sling or tra- I call it a trampoline sometimes because of how they have to be both like um, equal parts like able to stretch and able to engage or tighten, but they are on the bottom. Like they're literally holding everything in there. Mm -hmm. So if we did not have them, everything would be falling out. Um, whether you're a male or a female. So, um, they're the start of our core. They're the start of our, the way we engage our muscles of our core. And they're in, they're in charge of helping us start or stop our flow of urine and our bowel movements. They have obviously a sexual function. They are again, storage for our organs. And they're this strategy throughout how we hold ourselves upright during the day. And with all of that, like those are pretty important things that they do. And the amount of people that don't recognize how they work for them is astounding, you know, unless there's a problem, you know, obviously I see most of the people that have some type of problem with them and most everybody that comes in with a quote unquote problem says, why didn't we know about this before? Mm -hmm. Like this a lot of the problems can be actually avoided or minimized if we just know how our body is supposed to work. Which is like preventative medicine, integrative health, right? Right. That's like knowing your body and and trying to keep it in its current state of health as opposed to it's not working. How can you make it work again? Right. And the beauty of really knowing your body and how it works, you know, all muscles of your body is that way you do really have a, a, a good awareness of what's going on. So when something does start to go wrong, you kind of realize it right away. You know something doesn't feel right. 
you have heard this before, and then you can go to your provider, whoever it may be, PT or you know, physician or otherwise, and say, I know my body and something's off. I know how this is supposed to work. I don't necessarily know it. what it is, right. but something is right. not working or right. something feels different or something right. is if, not. If I had my way, every person would come in for at least an evaluation and maybe never have to come. Yeah, like, almost sure. like how you said, yeah. I'm just coming because a friend told me. And so, and it's like, all right, well, let's see how you're working. Let's see how these muscles work. We can't see these muscles. Mm-mm. That's just a fact. Like, I don't know anybody that can see their own pelvic floor mm-hmm. muscles. So let's, you know, you can see your quadricep in the top of your thigh. You can see if that's contracting or not, but you cannot see these muscles. So let's check them out and let's make sure that they're not too loose, not too weak, not don't have enough endurance or maybe too tight. Um, that could be causing a dysfunction for you. And then learn if, if there is something, we tweak it. Maybe it's a visit, maybe it's two. If there's something more, we can address it. And then that might be it. Mm-hmm. And then you just know, first of all, how to work them the right way. And second of all, again, you have a touch point if something should feel yeah. off. And I feel like that was something that I think I even went back to my OB after I came to see you. And I was like, did you guys know about yeah. this? And they were like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I mean, like, they're great. I love yeah, them. But right. it's just like, it's not in the way that we have set up medicine to be. It has not become a priority and it should be. Right. And so because the system is not supporting us and making it a priority, we need to make it a priority. Right. I have this whole list of things when people are pregnant at work, they can be like nearly strangers. Yeah. I don't do it to like strangers <laughs> yeah. on the street, yeah. but like people that I work with, I'm like, oh, oh, well, welcome new nurse. Oh, you're, you're growing a human. Yeah. I'm like, I have some things to tell you. That's right. Not like all the strange, weird things. And like, I am a little bit of a crazy right. lady, but like you need this and you need this right. and you need to see a pelvic floor physical right. therapist while you're pregnant. Right. And also after you deliver. Right. And anytime after that, that you right. feel like something is not going right. well, like that is super important. And there's this one I love, I'm a huge personal development fan and I won't call out this person, but there's someone who I listen to go to conference and like do these things. And this person, this author is always saying, Oh, we're, we're going to let you come. We'll just enjoy. We're going to laugh so, so hard. We're going to pee our pants. <laughs> I'm like, we need to get that chicken physical <laughs> therapy for her pelvis. Like, I know it's funny. I know it's funny. And like, I would have like seven years ago, I would have laughed. Right. But every time someone says that, and every time you're at a group, like book club and you're like, ha ha. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, like, yeah, yeah I'm a little incontinent you are propagating the myth that like peeing your pants is normal right. and healthy and acceptable. Right. And it's not. Right. And we say all the time, our, our like a tag phrase, I think of pelvic floor PTs is peeing your pants and you're laughing is super common, but it is not normal. Yeah. So that's the difference. There are tons of women do that. Um, I had a friend for in uh, junior high, actually elementary school, junior high, like all through my life. And when we were like 10, she'd be like, I'd be in my bed, you know, because she'd be laughing so hard. Like she was known for that. And it was a joke. Like sure, we were funny. Yeah. And, and it's funny because when women come in, I'll say, you know, they might not be coming in for specific incontinence reasons. They might be coming in for other things related to the pelvic floor or the hip or the pelvis or the SI joints or something, anything that I would look at. And always I ask them, okay, so tell me about your bowel or bladder. Do you have any incontinence? And they're like, no, no. And I'm like, okay, so you don't even laugh, Ever. you know, not when you're like coughing or sneezing or period. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd do that. And I'm like, that's incontinence. Yeah. Right? That's something that we need to address. And yes. that's showing that there's a failure of your body to be able to counteract forces you put on it. That's all it means. And that's the beauty of it is it's like super fixable. So if you don't have to pee your pants when, pants when you're laughing, especially if you've had a couple glasses of wine with your yes, girlfriends, right. like. Why should we? Right. Why should you walk around with a little pad right. all the time? Why should you know where every bathroom is when you're going shopping? Like, 
Why should you have to go on a road trip and be worried that you have to stop every hour? Like all those things, again, super common. Pretty much everybody that comes to my room has at least one of those things go on. But by the time they're done, they don't, you know, because that's, it's all awareness and it's all that culture that we've, I love that you said that, that we've like perpetuated these myths to say that this is fine. Every time this person says it, I'm like, ah, I'm just like, and you have this major platform, but like, also it is like two women getting coffee and one says it and the other one doesn't say, I recently heard a podcast about public floor physical therapy. Sounds like that could help you. Like I used to, too. also pee my pants, but then I saw this amazing physical therapist at the restoration space and now I'm better. Like, so like by saying it, hopefully here on the air and hopefully in person at the book club or at the coffee date, we're saying like, yes, no, like this is a myth that we need to debunk and it's not true and it's not normal. And if you're doing it, like, find some time yes. because this is important. And as moms, we're terrible about finding or making time, right. take care of ourselves. Like if you would go to the cardiologist, if you would go to the family right. doctor, if you would go to the GYN for your annual, you should go to a pelvic floor physical. Right. And, and the beauty of it is that it can prevent a lot of other things from happening. So I think what we also don't realize are those little things that the laughing, you know, the peeing when we're laughing or the, uh, little bits of pain that we're having maybe after sex or something very typically grow into something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a, a prolapse where, you know, the organs, a lot of people know that like, I don't know, their mom or their grandmother has their bladder falling down mm-hmm. and, and they'll say, oh, well, my whole family has that. Again, it's one of those things that we've just succumbed to that we had kids. I had, you know, I had four babies. And so um, that a lot of people said, well, I had four kids. So of course my bladder is falling down. No, not necessarily. Like, yes, that's probably why, but we could be correcting that. And it's easier to prevent the prolapse than to fix it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Similarly, though, I still can't say the word. Um, Very similarly, the, if you look at any other surgery that happens, you know, in orthopedically in our body. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people know, you know, people having their shoulder scoped or or knee surgery, as you mentioned, an ACL repair before, meniscus, back surgery. Very often we have PT after that, right? It's like um, standard. It's pretty triggered standard. by like, the fact that you yeah. have the surgery, then you go to physical yeah, it's therapy. More hip rare to not, exactly. Yes. It's more rare to not have PT after those things than it is to have it, right? There's exceptions to every rule, but still. Um, and and back when insurances were different, like when managed care was different, we even had it was very, very common to have PT for a few minutes before your surgery, mm-hmm. right? To start like getting your body ready and stronger. And so that you were starting from even a higher level of awareness and use of your body. Right. So that way, when you started to have your surgery, you weren't starting from like negative numbers. Mm -hmm. You were starting from maybe like more positive numbers and that the rehab was easier. Um, That's not as common these days, more again, because of insurance and managed care. But if we can do that, we still do that. And some patients again are proactive to do that. So where my comparison is, is if you are pregnant um, and about to have a baby, kind of like what you're saying, it is so great to have PT because here's, here's what I was saying before. When we are pregnant, there are so many things that happen to our body. We have, everything is shifting. Everything is shifting. We have, um, our, our belly muscles stretch, our low back muscles shorten or tighten. We have that like rounded shoulder, you know, our boobs grow. So we kind of hunch over, right? Fitting, the bra's not chest anymore. expands to allow uh, your right. belly. Yeah. We are, have these like, you know, everybody talks about the pregnancy waddle, but our hips are getting wider and, we have to compensate for all these things. And that's something that's happening over, like you said, nine or 10 months. 
And, and we're just expecting everything to be totally fine when this is all over. You oh, know? For, and then you eject a human being. Right. And everything sort of kind of at various degrees is like loosening, tightening, right. torn, untorn, repaired, right. sewed, C-sectioned, whatever. Right. And then you're like, oh, uh, when are you back to your pre-baby? Right. Anything? Right. Are you getting your pre-baby genes? Like that's our number one concern. No. Like, that shouldn't be it. Right. And I had, uh, I had a C-section with my twins. And then I had VBACs, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean. That's what that means. Um, with my two other children. So two years after my twin cesarean section. And then four, uh, five years after the first birth. That's probably a lot of information. But still. Um, so anyway, I had two. I also had a C-section and two VBACs. Right, two VBACs. So I, I feel like I've healed every way possible, as you probably do. So I had to uh, recover after my C-section. Then I had to recover after both of those vaginal deliveries. And I will say that there are pros and cons to both, but I know that after my vaginal deliveries, I remember, and even after my second one, which I was probably the most aware of my body at that point, I had done a lot of work, um, uh, you know, learning about pregnancy postpartum for my patients. So I really felt like I was like, in, I was like going to ace this, right. That was in my last pregnancy. It was going to be amazing. Um, and I still remember I was six weeks postpartum. And I said to my husband, I am so glad that I'm taking a 12 week maternity leave, which was by choice. You know, I was not fully paid for that. Another problem in our mm -hmm, country. Mm -hmm. But I remember saying, I can't stand still for more than three hours in like regular pants mm -hmm. without having to go lay down or go change into like leggings mm -hmm. or loose, you know, sweatpants or preferably a skirt if I could, because I had so much pain at my perineum, which is like that skin between your vagina and your rectum because I had torn mm -hmm. and I had to get sewn up. And I, it was excruciating at the beginning and everything was rubbing and you're bleeding. And I'm, you know, let's just face facts. It's not a pleasant experience and you have to wear pads and that's all chafing. And it was not good. And I remember thinking like, here I am the person that knows what they're doing and it's still mm -hmm. a problem. And how many women are suffering from this? This is crazy. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to my doctors who were wonderful and they, knew what I did and they were really good. I said, I need, you know, you need to, I, I needed another stitch at one point. They brought me right back in. And I was like, how many people come back in? And they said, well, not no, a lot no of people one. know what yeah. you know. And I was like, that's ridiculous. Like, that's not fair. Yeah. Are you telling these people to come in? Right. right. Because this is my living, right. what I do for a living. And then I said to them, you know, I was still, I was just getting over my incontinence period because that's a normal thing after you have a baby. Cause again, like you said, everything is shifted. A human being just came out of my body. Um, one of my colleagues that teaches classes says those babies come out like not like the nice pictures on the OB. We might've talked about this when I saw you on the OB room, like the nice round head and the nice oval shape coming out of the vagina. It's like they have fingernails and elbows and they're grabbing bumper stickers on the way yes. out of there, you know? Um, so even if you didn't tear, there's lots of things that could have gone wrong or even when it's smooth, it's traumatic. Right. Exactly. It's yeah. traumatic. Yes, yes. It and is a so, traumatic process. Um, I said, how many women, you know, are coming out? Are you asking them if they're still incontinent? And then you're only seeing them, like you said, six weeks Once. postpartum. And then they don't come to you for a year. Mm -hmm. So they said, well, you know, ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. So they're like governing board says it's normal to, you know, have incontinence a year after you're pregnant, you know, a year after you have a baby. And so we give them Detrol which is a medication that basically dries you up. So it dries up every fluid including in your body, your, your eyes, milk, your mouth, your milk, milk yes. um, let alone your, you know, your bladder or your urine. Um, and so then when that doesn't work, is that when we should send them? 
And I'm like, not one of these women should be on Detrol because the problem is not that they're producing too much urine. Mm -hmm. That's crazy to think mm -hmm. that. In fact, we should be drinking tons of water, right? Mm -hmm. After our baby. Yes. So now you're telling people to limit their water intake, dry themselves up. We're not really fixing the problem. It's, it's insane. And so We're she was treating like, just the symptom. Right. Mm -hmm. So I said, these women are now a year out, still peeing their pants. This mm -hmm. could have been fixed week four postpartum. And so that's the stuff that drives me crazy is that when we don't talk to each other and our doctors are not guiding us to, to the right questions, and let's face it, they have what, five, they're 10 busy, minutes. They're, very busy, yes. they're just worried about, again, are we healing the right way? Is the baby okay? Is the mama okay? Important things, yes. but they're not asking those questions that are our quality of life. And that just can lead to all these other things. So again, if I had my way, every single pregnant woman in France and other countries, you literally have a baby and you get 12 home visits of pelvic floor PT. Yes, we need that in yes, the US. included. Yes. That's like part of their postpartum care. And nobody defers it. Everybody, every single person is like, yeah, bring it on. Like, I want my it's normal. Yes. And so to me, that should be the standard of care. You have a baby, you come back for your four to six week OBGYN appointment, you go to see your pelvic floor PT. Mm -hmm. It should not even be a question. Mm -hmm. We should be having lines out the door. Yes, yes. Think of women. how many people are having babies. Yes. 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 So... Hey there, I am so excited to share with you that the doors are open for enrollment on my new course, The Ditch Debt Blueprint. It is a step-by-step -step system for you to use to walk out of debt and into wealth. It will help you increase your rate of debt payoff, get organized, get on a budget, get your spouse on board, and get the heck out of debt for good this time. You've tried things on your own and you just can't ditch those student loans, your credit cards, or your car payment. It is time to get serious about paying off debt and this course is for you. There are two different teaching options. You can do at your own pace, do it yourself, self-paced with modules that release weekly, or you can add the added accountability of one-on-one -on -one coaching, which includes four hour-long video calls with me for extra questions, answers, and all of the support that you need as you're walking through this course. Check out the link in the show notes to enroll today in the Ditch Debt Blueprint and get the heck out of debt for good this time. So yeah. if someone does not live in the Lehigh Valley and they live somewhere where they either because of logistics or access or finances, whatever reason, mm -hmm. they can't or can't at this time get into CFL, a public floor physical therapist, what's like one thing they can do at home to protect their pelvic floor? Yeah. Let's just assume it's like postpartum right. because I know there's like a lot of different things that you could like say relative to this. What's right. one thing that that new mom who just went to her six week visit and just got cleared. Right. So that's a thing. Right. Um, <laughs> what can she do to help with incontinence down the line to avoid prolapse, right. to help protect her back, her core, all these things yeah. while she's also caring for a human. Yeah. Gosh, it's a loaded question. I know. Um, so the first thing, okay, so the first thing I would tell you is that you have to learn, this is going to sound crazy, but ridiculously important, how to breathe correctly. Mm -hmm. um, there's tons of YouTube videos out there. You can follow pelvic, you, I'm, I'm, you can follow me on social media, a lot of pelvic floor PTs on social media, uh, Pilates instructors that just teach you how to use your diaphragm the right way. And to, we, we used to call it belly breathing. We don't really call it that anymore because it guides people to breathe a little differently, but because the pelvic floor and your breath and your diaphragm work in conjunction with each other and they kind of guide each other. They're almost like a, a pair 
It's like and, a bellows, the bottom of the right, pelvis floor and right. the diaphragm. Yeah, some people okay. say like a coffee press. Sure, or like okay. a, so if when one is contracting, the other is contracting. When one is relaxing, the other is relaxing. So if you think about like a cough or a sneeze or a laugh, right, that we talked about before, that's a very big contraction of the diaphragm. It needs to help expel all the air out. <laughs> uh, uh, right, yeah. exactly. And so during that time, if you think about it and you don't want to leak, you know, during those things, the pelvic floor needs to contract during that time also. So when, again, when one contracts, the other contracts. So we want to use that, what we call physiological relationship, that like how symbiotic they are, their balance between each other. So it's just like their great relationship they have with each other to just help us naturally. Mm -hmm. So if we're breathing the right way inherently, again, as long as we don't have you know, any kind of damage anywhere, sure. then the pelvic floor will be working in a more natural uh, pattern that that will help us, right? So that's number one. Um, and And... Also, deep breathing or this diaphragmatic breathing does so much for the new mom anyway, right? It helps us bring yes. our, you know, we're all so Wound, overworked yes, and yes. so anxious and so overwhelmed. And um, it just really helps to kind of reset so much of the body. So it's just an important tool. It's a great thing to do when you're nursing or feeding, mm -hmm. even if you're not nursing, if you're just sitting and feeding the baby, um, to take those deep breaths when you have those moments that you're able to sit you know, which will probably help you savor those moments. Yeah. It changes your mind. Really be present in those and to learn how to be grounding. So that's another thing we teach women is that really think of I'm sitting, you know, I can feel I'm in the rocker, say mm -hmm. feeding or the couch and I'm, I can feel my feet on the ground and my, you know, tush in the chair mm -hmm. and the baby in my arm. I feel the weight of the mm -hmm. baby in my arms. And that really is a very uh, grounding, we call it, or a way to get present in our body. And in that moment, mm -hmm. yeah. So you're not just like waiting until, oh God, this has to be done because I have to go do the next thing, you know. Which so it's harder for me every time because there's more humans that need you. Right, know, right. The older they get and and the more babies you have. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I had a woman the other day who had just had her third baby and that's what she said. She's like, I, I didn't realize how much I was doing, like wishing that away. Mm -hmm. Not the moment, purpose, but like thinking just, of the yeah, next thing next, to do. What's next? Yeah. So that was a really big thing for her. And then the second thing is we have to find the pelvic floor muscles. That's really yes. what it comes down to. So um, I would say there's there's a couple different ways you can do it. The best way to do it is to kind of feel for yourself. Yes. And I know it sounds uncomfortable for a lot of people, but guys, we're all, we're women. I mean, if you're listening to this and you had a baby, you're a woman, right? Mm -hmm. So, so um, and and many other people have, you know, stuck different objects, objects up there during your sure. pregnancy and delivery. So it might as well be you. And it's the best way to be aware of your body. And so you know, you can use your hand and your fingers and just feel and feel what those muscles feel like, feel what the tissue feels like. It's a little weird at first, mm -hmm. but it's very, very natural. Um, and the more we do it, the less weird it is. Um, and then what you want to do is if you are palpating yourself, you just want to try to tighten those muscles around your own finger, like you're trying to stop the flow of urine. So I used to tell people, like, think about, you know, tightening around a straw and then sucking up through the straw. And then I saw this fantastic... Um, social media post from another pelvic floor therapist that had um, a straw and a smoothie. And it said, you know, like make sure like it had her pelvis. Not water, I might have to reproduce water, it really, yeah, yeah. And, and tag her for credit, but uh, it was not water, it was a smoothie, but it was, you know, suck, you know, close those muscles around the straw. And then like, you want to take those muscles and almost suck so up through the straw okay. because they're not, it's not about squeezing them. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly not about pushing them. A lot of women come in and they, they think, oh, like this, and they're pushing out their pelvic floor. So you want to find those muscles. Like, am I tightening the right ones? Um, if you don't feel comfortable palpating yourself, you can try to do that when you're urinating, where you try to stop the flow of urine. But I will put a disclaimer there that you don't want to do that a lot mm -hmm. because that can cause another 
set of problems that we are like not emptying our bladder fully. But if you need to do it here and there, just to see if you have the strength to stop the flow of urine or find, like, let me feel what those muscles are doing. um, That's another good way to do it. And the last tip I would say is that when you're doing those things, whether it's palpation or you're stopping the flow of urine, you want to make sure you're breathing regularly. So a very big mistake people make when they come in is when they do a Kegel or a pelvic floor contraction, they suck in their breath. They do a big inhale. So they can only do a Kegel when like everything else goes up too. Their eyebrows are going up, their breath is going up. And that's not a good thing because we're always breathing, right? Mm -hmm. So if you can only hold your pelvic floor when you're inhaling, it's going against what we said before. Like if I'm laughing and sneezing and I'm trying to hold my urine, but I can only do it when I'm holding my breath, it's not going to work. So you want to make sure that you're breathing the right way or that you're just regularly breathing when you can do so you should should be like i'm keeping right now while i'm talking to you right right, right. so that's the beauty of it and inherently this could go on forever but while you learn to train those muscles then we want those to work for you while you're doing things like bending lifting working automatically quote unquote which doesn't happen until you start doing you have a phrase that you're like when when you were working with me you were like abs core pelvic floor yeah, or something yes, is that yes, what it is yes. so i say is that what it is? yes it's uh well there's a couple of different things okay. but yeah so i say pelvic floor low belly that's the okay. one thing because those work together um and there's five main muscle groups so we okay. do pelvic floor low belly knees glutes and now we call them lemons that's a little different from what uh, the pilates okay. instructor but yeah so there's a couple of one of the pilates instructors says think of closing, like bring your sit bones together, mm-hmm. your hip bones together and your bottom of the rib cage. Okay. So there's lots of different little things you could say, but yeah, pelvic I, floor, low belly. I, so I don't know. I, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm saying like the wrong sequence yeah. of, of uh, words, but mm-hmm. I will say like my two-year-old is massive. She's wearing 40 clothes that she is like actively <laughs> yeah. filling out. She's huge. We've never had a kid that grew quite so fast, yeah. quite so profoundly before. Yeah. And she's like, you walk in the door and she's like, mommy. And she's running. Yeah. And I'm like, yay. I literally find myself being like, okay, like, go, do, yes. <laughs> like, like yes. do your abs. Do yes. your, and then I pick her up and then I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, floor, so belly glutes. Like yes. that's what we say. And that's what there because is. I know this. it's going to be a load, right. right? I'm about to pick her up. Right. And a lot of this, I love that you just said that because a lot of this is also about strategy of how our body works. So Functional. So, so one of the words I'm going to tell everybody right now, this is, this is a tip I've learned is to throw the word balance, like out the window. I used to say, we need everything balanced. We need to do everything in a balanced way. Or how do you find that? How do you find balance in your life? It's not possible. Who can have, who has balance? And maybe in moments we have it. It sounds very tenuous to me when we think about balance. I read a book, which you should read. She's on the podcast uh, episode number two. Her name's Shonda Morell. Yes, I know Shonda. Yes. Local Uh mindfulness expert. And she, in her most recent book, talks about work-life balance as a ongoing equilibrium yes, right. between uh, life and work and all the things we need to do that requires constant recalibration. Yes. And that's something that when I read it, I was like, yay, yes, I don't have I to love worry that about because, this like work-life balance right, that, anymore. That phrase, like I, I used to really panic about that, yes. especially when I was coming into the, the office that we're in now. I was like, how are we going to have this work-life balance? Balance. This word was like haunting me. Yeah. Um, it's and to be I, a good thing. It was becoming right, like a and it's word. like literally like you're on a tightrope, right? Yes. And like the only way you're balanced is if you're not falling over. Yes. And I was like, this is not okay. You're juggling yeah. balance. You're juggling. So, and it means that something. Has, so, I like the word harmony. Now, that's a lot of the other thing Ooh, I say too. Yes. Like we want things working in harmony because that just might mean that we have these main things that are working: work, life, um, in our body. It might be these different muscle groups. I want to make sure they're kind of 
you know, singing the song together. And sometimes somebody else, you know, one piece has to take a little bit more and the other piece has to take a little less, but we always do it so that everything's flowing in in the direction we want to flow in. So I think that's really what this, you know, learning what your body is about, especially as a female is to find harmony in it Mm -hmm. because it doesn't have to be strong. That certainly does not be skinny. It just has to, you have to know how it works in the right strategy. Mm-hmm. And what you just described with your daughter yes. is like, I'm, my body is preparing with the strategy of I'm going to have my pelvic floor, my, my abs or my labelli, right. my glutes kick in. So I'm bracing myself for this effort or this force. But that's really what we're talking about is how, what are the strategies my body's using? What are, fa- what strategies are failing for us? Sure. Right. And you talk about this all the time and, yes. and your other, in all aspects of life. What strategies am I using that are no longer serving me? Yes. And and that's kind of what we do with our body. How is my body working? What strategies are no longer serving me? When we're pregnant, certain strategies have to, they have to be in play. Mm-hmm. We're pregnant, you know, mm-hmm. there's a baby in there. But now those strategies are no longer serving us. And we have to find those new ones now that we're not pregnant anymore because they don't just automatically come. Yes. I think that's so important. Yeah. So if people are listening and they want to follow you online, which I highly recommend, hmm. where can they find you online, you and the Restoration yeah, Space? So the Restoration Space has, we have a website, therestorationspace.com. Our Instagram handle and Facebook is the same, at the Restoration Space. My handle is SheHabilitation. Yes. Uh, so at SheHabilitation on Instagram, on Facebook right now, it's my original Facebook page. So it's Julie Westing Spencer. Until next time, keep on slaying your own fire-breathing dragons. Thank you so much for hitting play on another episode of Fulfilled, the podcast. I have a favor to ask. If you like what you heard today, please tell your friends. Take a screenshot and share it on social. You can tag me on Instagram at Mrs. Tracy Bingaman, and you can tag the podcast at Fulfilled Podcast. And please consider leaving a review. I'd love to hear what you think and your reviews can help other moms find me so they can grow alongside you. Oh, I almost forgot. Don't forget to subscribe so you get next week's episode automatically in your podcast queue. Instant inspiration and all the mom jokes. Yes, please. We'll see you next week on Fulfilled the Podcast.